0: seated I want to encourage you to have your Bibles on hand as we'll be in several different passages today and then if you were here last week I told you that we created a um, a Google Drive folder so if you're if you have a Gmail account you can have access to uh, the folder that we set up which we are um, posting the sermon slide notes in each week so that if you want to follow along on your phone or tablet Um, If you want to be able to access those notes at a later time, if you don't get all of the information that we go over um, from the screen, then you have access to those notes at any point, and it's always the same link, Um, so that link is posted on the city, and so if you want to access that, add that folder to your Google Drive, um, then you can just always open that folder up every Sunday morning, and the notes will automatically be there. You don't have to check your email. You don't have to check the city. Um, if the things that I'm talking about right, right, about right now are confusing and you have no idea what Google Drive is, then feel free to see me afterwards, and I can show you how you can have access to all the notes that we use on Sunday morning directly on your phone or tablet or computer, um, and you don't have to copy everything down if you're taking notes. Um, and so it's a great resource that we can use, um, and I'm going to try to um, add notes each week for you to have on hand, um, and then it'll also be available if you're not here on a Sunday morning, um, you'll have access to those notes as well. You remember last week we um, we said that we were going to step away from the Book of Genesis until the, uh, Easter Sunday, uh, for the purpose of reaffirming and reminding ourselves of uh, why we're here as a church. Um, and so, as I've been updating the website, I told you that I was going through the website and was. Um, highly encouraged about the things that we desire to be as a church, but I told you about the Christian school that I contacted that had the STEM program, and I wanted to start a STEM program at Trinity, and so I called the guy and I said, your program sounds phenomenal on your website, can I come sit and, and learn from you, and he said, our website, our website's a lie. Like we we don't have all that stuff going on. Um, our headmaster wants us to, and so it's there. But honestly, you would be disappointed if you drove all the way up here because we're not doing most of the stuff that we say we're doing. This week, I was contact I was contacted by my buddy from college, and so I was sharing with him um, about our church and the idea of coming and being the sixth grade sixth grade Bible teacher and possibly being a part of our church. And so, I'm telling him about our church and. Um, he loves everything that he's hearing. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I I hope if he were to come here, he would experience the things that I'm talking about because the things that are resonating with him are things that are on our website, things that we proclaim to be, things that we want to be. I certainly wouldn't want anybody to get a picture of who we are from our website, come and visit with us for a few months and say, that website's a lie. That, that's not who they are. That's not what they're doing. Um, it's an inaccurate picture. And so last week we looked at what we were as a church in regarding um, uh, the aspect of love. And so I told you that as a church that loves, we desire to be a church that is known for fellowship, accountability, discipline, and restoration resulting in the perseverance of our members. And so we looked at 1 John, the entire chapter 1 teaching by John. And how he talks about Christians and their fellowship, their relationship to each other, is rooted in Jesus Christ. Um, And if we deviate from Christ, then we deviate from the fellowship that we enjoy from each other. Okay, So we have to have right theology about Jesus. Everything that unites us is Jesus. So we should have a collection of people here with different hobbies, different backgrounds, different interests. And yet we find a supernatural element of fellowship here because of our unity about Christ. Um, And then the fact that we are making decisions to follow Christ keeps us in that fellowship. And so we talked about the accountability that we have set up here uh, that that models what we believe the New Testament calls us to, uh, the the regular exhortation of believers so that there's no hardening of sin in our hearts. And so we've set up accountability groups in our church to provide that to our members. We also talked about the model of church discipline and how we are called to address sin in the lives of other people. Uh, We're to keep that as um confined as possible and so the model that jesus gives us is that only the people that need to know know and if there's a continued lack of repentance then we grow the amount of people that know about it because we call in support and help to address an individual's heart Uh, and then we looked at galatians 6 the purpose of church discipline being the restoration the renewal and the calling back of an individual. We looked at the book of James and how James talks about there will be people that wander from the faith that need to be rescued back. And so we talked about the fact that if there is uh, steps and uh, methods for bringing someone back, we should assume that people are going to wander here in this church. And we need to be prepared for it so that we bring them back and they persevere just as Jesus has designed for it to be. Um, And so we looked a lot about the aspect of our church being a loving environment. And I challenged you last week to, uh, to examine whether you're helping to create that environment here. Um, are you being a contributor here uh, to grow that loving environment that we desire to have um, here at this church? Today we look at a church that grows, a church that grows. And so I'm going to put up our summary sentence for today. This is uh, where we're going today within our sermon. And so I want to give that to you up front as we started doing um, over the past year. So, if we're keeping notes, um, we desire to be a church that is known for pursuing personal sanctification by imitating others through discipleship, resulting in the spiritual maturity of our members. Okay, so we want to be a church where everybody individually is pursuing personal sanctification. Okay, so they're desiring to grow individually, they're taking the necessary steps to, to increase their faith and trust in Christ. Right? It means taking that personal growth plan that we talk about at the beginning of each calendar year and evaluating and determining um, a method for reading God's word and ingesting God's word throughout the week. Um, a plan and a method for how you're going to personally grow and attack sin in your life. We want to be a church where if somebody comes and visits, they identify very quickly that there are people here who are actively and regularly desiring to pursue Christ on a weekly basis. And they're doing it not strictly individually, but they are doing it by following other people who they identify as more mature than them, that they can grow from and learn from and have someone invest in their life to teach them what it means to follow Jesus. All right. So a place that that desires sanctification, but a place that desires it through imitation, through finding other people that are following Christ that they can come alongside and follow them as they follow Christ. Some examples of this in Scripture. If you want to follow along, there's going to be several different passages we look at today. The first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And we've talked about this before. This is not a place where you have to get to, to where you say, okay, I'm perfect. Now I can ask people to come alongside me and I won't lead them astray ever. This is an individual who recognizes that there is a place that they have reached from a spiritual maturity standpoint. And they find other people that are growing in their faith. And they say, come and follow me, come and learn from me as I'm still learning to follow Christ. Paul would have admitted very clearly and, and very adamantly that he was not perfect, that he had not yet arrived. But he was certainly farther along than some in his spiritual growth. And so he could call others to come along behind him. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, another passage that lends itself to the imitation idea. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Okay, so this is certainly a need within our church to raise up spiritual leadership that people can then follow. That's why it's so important that that our elders meet biblical qualifications, that our deacons meet biblical qualifications, because those are the ones that you easily identify as people that you're supposed to be able to follow. It's why we want to take such great care and concern about the people we select as our C group leaders, our small group leaders, that we identify those people as individuals that are worth following, that are making biblical guided decisions in their life and can lead others to do the same. Okay, so personal sanctification, but we do so through imitation. That word discipleship gets thrown around a lot. It gets used a lot in in Christianity and church culture today. I want us to be very clear how we intend to use it here at our church and how we've been using it here at our church. Okay. This is uh, the definition that was taught to me at my time during my time at Liberty. Um, Discipling others is the process by which a Christian with a life worth emulating through the Spirit's power. Okay. So this isn't an individual's uh, personal ability to do right things. It's through the Spirit's power. Okay. So we give credit to the Holy Spirit for our sanctification. It's an individual, with life, an individual with a life worth emulating because of what the Holy Spirit has done inside of them, committing him or so, himself or herself for an extended period of time to a few individuals who have been one to Christ, the purpose being to aid and to guide their growth to maturity and to equip them to reproduce themselves in a third spiritual generation. And that's the part that sometimes gets left out of discipleship. Discipleship is not just a Bible study. OK, it's not just me increasing your knowledge about biblical facts. The goal, I think, is twofold. One, that we get to a point where we don't have to meet anymore regularly because I've taught you how to feed yourself through the word. But then secondly, the goal is that I am sending you out to do this same thing with other people. So we we invite people to come and follow us so that we can teach them and equip them how to follow Jesus but we're doing it with a third spiritual generation in mind, okay? So uh, when, when God called me to Mount Gilead and I began to invest in Tyson, the goal was that Tyson would be able to turn around and invest in the lives of other people, and he's doing that today, okay? I don't have any... Any concerns about Tyson meeting with individuals in our church and discipling them, meeting with people at Trinity and discipling them, because I know he, he's uh, functioning as an extension of me. A lot of the things that I've poured into him, it's, it's not uncommon for me to see those show up in his Bible lessons with his seventh graders. Okay, so that's me thinking about the third spiritual generation, not just me investing in Tyson, but me trying to imagine the seventh graders that I want to invest in and investing in them through Tyson. Okay, so it's this third spiritual generation perspective that we want to have here at Sovereign Hope. So discipling others, it's a process by which a Christian with a life worth emulating through the Holy Spirit's power, committing himself to an extended period of time, aiding and guiding people to grow in maturity in their faith in Christ, and then equipping them to invest in other people. This ties right in with our mission statement here at our church, and if you're not frequent on the website, then This may not be at the forefront of your mind. But our mission here at Sovereign Hope, what we've stated on our uh, documents and our website is that we are a body of believers who have been saved by the work of Jesus Christ and are committed to spreading joy and contentment in him as we learn to hold fast to the hope of his second coming together. One thing we said from the very beginning, what oftentimes seems to be a less emphasized aspect of most churches is the idea of the second coming. Most of the time, you don't hear much about Jesus coming back unless there's a series or a, a class taught on a Wednesday night about the book of Revelation. You know, hey, we're going to set aside some time to talk about Jesus coming back, but all the other times we're going to talk about other things and not really connect it. And what we've always wanted to be about here at Sovereign Hope is reminding you constantly that Jesus is coming back and that's our hope. Um, We see it all through the New Testament. Um, And so we want to be a a group of people saved by Jesus Christ. And we're committed to to bringing other people into this environment in a joyful way, in a content way. So whatever we're experiencing in life, whatever situations, circumstances we face, we are teaching people to find joy and contentment because this isn't all there is jesus is coming and eternity lies before us and that is our hope that is what we anxiously await okay so in our discipleship we're teaching people that we're teaching them to find joy and contentment in christ and to look to the future and we're going to see how paul modeled that same idea here in just a few minutes We want to create a church environment here that embraces discipleship as a necessary, normal means of following Christ. Our plan is to see every member being discipled and discipling others through regular, intentional time together. So the idea there is that if you don't feel like you can bring somebody behind you and have them follow you as you follow Christ, that you're being discipled. If you can't be the discipler right now, then you need to be being discipled by an individual. Teach me so that I can teach others. If you're not capable of teaching others yet, you don't feel confident to do so, then you need to be learning from somebody. Um, That it shouldn't be um, acceptable to just say discipleships for some people in our church. Some people are being discipled, some people are doing the discipling, and then there's a whole bunch of us that don't fall into either category. We desire for everyone to fall into one of those categories. We want the third generation to become our focus. All right, so we hit that idea, we've hit the idea of imitation, but then it's biblical to view that third generation as a necessary component of discipleship. In Romans chapter 15, verse 14, Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Paul has a confidence about these people because they're becoming the type of people they need to be. But they're also equipped to teach other people to be those type of people. This idea of the third generation. You've been grown up in your faith and now you're able to instruct others to grow up in their faith. This picture is also given to us in 2nd Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 and 2. You then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust to faithful men. Who will be able to teach others also. From Paul's perspective there, we're actually talking about a fourth spiritual generation. It's Paul who has taught the people here that are reading this, teaching them to teach other people who can then teach others also. The biblical model there is that we imitate people to grow up into our faith, and we teach them to teach others. A guy by the name of Eric Helm says, your disciples are not disciples until your disciples are making disciples. Okay, if they're not yet making disciples, all you've had is a Bible study. All you've done is teach. You haven't taught them to teach others yet, and that's got to be the goal of our discipleship. Otherwise, We have a few individuals that are constantly discipling and teaching people, but there's no turnaround from that. There's no continued investment in the lives of others. All right. Let's look at the biblical design, how we uh, get this from Scripture, how we see this modeled for us by Jesus and the New Testament authors. First of all, we start with the discipleship mandate. Obviously, we know from Matthew 28 that this is mandated upon us. This is commanded by Jesus. It's the last thing that he says before he departs this earth uh, from a physical standpoint. And he gives these final instructions, which means these are the things that we absolutely have to remember. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. For our parents in here, please, 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 please make sure that you teach your children early and often where the Great Commission is found and what the Great Commission is. We did a recent survey at Trinity. Kids are going to churches all across this county, 150 churches represented at our Christian school. It was baffling when we did a survey in the eighth grade when we asked the simple question, what is the Great Commission? Uh, Literally no one could answer it out of the 80-plus students that we have. These are 80-plus students that go to churches, that have Christian parents, that have pastors, and they had no idea, no idea what the Great Commission was, nor where it could be found in Scripture. These are the most important last-minute teachings of Jesus Please, as parents, make sure your children know what the Great Commission is and where it can be found in Scripture, because it should be driving everything that we're doing as Christians, as families, as churchgoers. It's what we are called to do and to be. Jesus says, make disciples, call people into relationship with me, baptize them, and then teach them everything that I've commanded of you. Our responsibility is to teach others to know Jesus, to love him, to trust him, And to follow him, to know him, to trust him and to follow him. Okay, so Jesus leaves and says, make disciples. Doesn't give a whole lot of instruction as to the how to for that, but just simply says, you have to do this. You have to do this and you have to do this to the ends of the earth. Okay, that's why we're not content to just do this here in Sonoy. It's why we're calling people to set aside preferences and desires here and to leave and to move to Uganda so that we're making disciples not just here, but there as well, okay? We want to raise up people there, and then ideally Ugandans there, a church that we hope to plant, would then send people out from there to go other places, other cultures to spread Jesus, all right? Let's look at what the biblical blueprint is for this, okay? So while Jesus doesn't directly give it to us here, through the Holy Spirit, through the local church there at the time, he begins to lay out a blueprint, I believe, for what this is supposed to look like. In Titus chapter 2, familiar passage when it comes to the topic of discipleship, but in Titus chapter 2 verse 1, it says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine, So that an opponent may be put to so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters, and everything they are to be well pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Paul lays out a model of discipleship here for us that we're gonna we're gonna pick apart here in just a second, but I want to draw your attention as well uh, to Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter 3, Paul in another place is also sharing his heart about discipleship within the local church. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. It says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. All right, there's, there's, there's several different things that are being mentioned in both these passages that I want to draw your attention to. Back in Titus chapter 2 now. Titus chapter 2. Paul giving instruction here. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then he talks about older men and older women. I think it's significant. I think it's significant that when he starts his discussion about discipleship, I believe he starts with the most important people in a local church. Those that are considered the older group, right? Paul says the, the the health of the church is contingent and desperately needs the older group to embrace their responsibility. You read this passage and you can't leave this passage thinking that the older group is optional to the success of a local church. And let me tell you what we what we rarely, if ever, have when people visit this church that would fall into this group. Rarely do we have somebody come in and look around at the crowd that's in here and say, wow, this is where I have to be. Like, there's no other older people here. This is where I've got to be because they desperately need me. Like, wow, what a what a gift from God that I can come in here and I've got a ton of people to invest in and teach right what has been typical is that someone walks in and maybe doesn't see anybody in their age frame and says "Eh, this is nice what you guys are doing here but I don't know I don't see anybody else like me I don't think this is where we're gonna stay and so we've tried to tell them hey if you'll stay like other older people will come Right. Like other older people will come and they'll see you and they'll say, hey, hey, there's some other people like me. But even beyond that reasoning, I want people to come to this church and to see this as a gold mine for them to invest in. And for those that fall into this group and we're not going to we're not going to label what that group is. OK, um, but certainly uh, there, there are people that we desperately need that are in this room right now that fall into this group. And I can attest to you that there are people in this room right here that absolutely, desperately need your guidance on raising children. We're we're, we're, we're stuck to figure it out if you don't take that role in our life, right? Me included. There is a desperate need for that type of investment here. Paul recognized that. He says, this is the most important people that we start with when we talk about discipleship, those that are in the older category. And not just from a physical standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint as well. But there's this idea here in this section of scripture where the older individuals are to model the faith that the younger individuals are supposed to be developing in themselves. And it starts with them being a certain type of people. And then it talks about teaching certain things, right? It says older men are to be sober minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Older women likewise to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. So there's this character thing that the older people are to have, and then they're to teach certain things. In your notes, older men are called to teach the younger men to avoid being rough in action. This is the idea here. Older men are to be sober minded and dignified and self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. What are they to teach the younger men? If we skip down to, um, let's see what verse it is. Verse six, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. I can tell you right now, working with middle school kids, teaching younger men to avoid being rough in action is what I feel like I do on a weekly basis, right? Middle school kids, especially from the boy standpoint, do not know how to control themselves in their responses to situations. Um, It it, it is not uncommon, and I know we've got individuals that are investigating coming to Trinity. Don't let this deter you. Um, It's not uncommon for me to have on a couple of weeks basis, boys in my room, boys in my office that have gotten into some type of altercation in PE, in the locker room, frustrations and emotions boil over and, and all they know to do is to react from a physical standpoint. This is how the boys function in, in not just our middle school, but in middle school across our country. Okay? They have to be taught to control themselves and that's, that's my desire and that's what I try to model to them as I discipline them. Teaching them to control themselves. We as young men have to be taught by older men even today to control ourselves, to control our passions and our emotions in regards to our wives and to our children. We have to be we have to have that modeled to us by individuals who have gone before us, who have who have loved a woman for for decades, who have raised children and put them out and, and grown them up to maturity. It's a desperate need and we have to have it. I can't tell you how many parents come into my office and ask for wisdom on how to raise their kids. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you got middle schoolers. I got toddlers. Um, you know, I can give them biblical principles, but but what they need, what they really need is something that they should be gaining from their local church, not from the Christian school where they have their kids. And I'm there to give them as much much assistance and as much guidance as I can, but being that I'm not their spiritual shepherd, I can't call them to obedience to the word in the same way I could someone here. And so oftentimes I try to guide them back to their local church to find that from their pastors and shepherds and from individuals in their church. For the older women in this passage. The older women teach younger women to avoid being rough in speech. Right there's a lot of talk about slander here. It is not uncommon For there to be middle school girls in my office on a regular basis who are attacking each other with their words. It's not uncommon at all. These girls have to be taught to handle their speech in a loving and appropriate way. So while the boys are ready to throw their hands up and fight, the girls are ready to gossip and to slander and to attack and to ridicule. And sometimes it leads to them throwing their fists up as well. But these are things that I can see without a doubt from the, from the younger individuals that are in my life right now and what they desperately need to be taught from spiritual leaders in their life. But it doesn't change as we get older doesn't change that the things that we struggle with and the the fleshly tendencies, they don't change even as we get older. We still have to have that modeled for us. What it means to be uh, sound in our actions from a guy standpoint, from a male standpoint, sound in our speech from a female standpoint. And we see that Paul desires for that to be modeled and taught by the older men and the older women in the church. It's a beautiful picture of the church functioning and nobody ever getting to a point where they're no longer needed in a local church, right? There's never a point where you can say, all right, I've done my time, I'm out, I'm not needed anymore. In fact, the older you get, the more needed you are in the local church. So what's beautiful about this gospel plan is that while, while in sports, you're only as valuable to your organization or your franchise as long as you can contribute from a physical standpoint. What's beautiful about the gospel team that Jesus calls us to be a part of is that as our physical bodies break down, We're still able to provide the contributions needed to teach people to love and to trust. We don't ever get uh, thrown out to pasture and become unuseful to the kingdom. Paul shows us this as he teaches Titus to look for these type of individuals in his church and to utilize them for discipleship purposes. But then when we go over to see what he talks about in Philippians, Paul continues this idea of following other people, doesn't use the. The age range uh, in the same way, but in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. He talks about those that have become enemies because they've taken their eyes off of those they should imitate and have become enemies of the cross. And then he reminds us about that future hope. We talked about it earlier. We want to be a church that is constantly pushing people To find joy and contentment in the future. So if you're taking notes here. His guidance to us in Philippians 3 is to follow examples. To flee enemies. So that means having the right influencers in our life. We put ourselves around people that are worth following. Worth emulating. People that we can see the Holy Spirit's working in their life. And I think what Paul would say, the older they are the better. The older they are, the better you follow behind those people that have set an example of faith to follow. And you flee those that are having nothing to do with the cross. Don't put yourself in close association and fellowship to where they can influence you. By all means, reach them, by all means, minister to them, by all means, go and call them to salvation. But don't let them be the ones that influence you. Flee those people and focus on the future. It's, a, it's exactly what I desire for our church to be in, the, in regards to discipleship. I want, I want it to be a, a, an environment of imitation, personal sanctification, where we're fleeing sin and following each other, and we're keeping our eyes on Jesus coming back. Which leads to... We've had the mandate, the blueprint, and now we've got the product in Acts chapter 11. Verse 26. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And Paul and Barnabas, they got it and they did it. They modeled it. They called these Antioch people to follow them and to imitate them. And the result... The result is that there was a name given to these people. Notice they don't give themselves this name. They're not sitting around with Paul and Barnabas and learning to follow Jesus. And they say, hey, what should we call ourselves? We need need a name. We need to be known as something. No, the people on the outside give them this name. And and there's debate as to whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. It may have been a, um, a, a negative thing, a way of making fun of them. Look at these little Jesuses, these little Christ's that are walking around trying to be like the one that was murdered and killed. Or it may have been, hey, this is the appropriate name for these people because they are modeling what we've heard about this Jesus. Either way, the name was given to these people because of the decisions and choices they were making. They were following two Christians, Paul and Barnabas, and they were following their example. They were imitating their faith, and it created a culture where the outsiders looked and said, these people are a lot like Jesus Christ. We're going to call them little Christians, little, little Christ. And that was the name that was given to them. That's the product of discipleship. When your life begins to look like Jesus and you've led other people into that, that type of uh, condition. That's what we're shooting for. That's what we're hoping for. That's the promise um, that, that can be accomplished through the presence of Jesus in that Matthew 28 passage. From a sovereign hope standpoint. So. Jesus gives us the mandate, then Paul begins to flesh that out, and he says, okay, this should be happening with older men and women. But we're still left with, how does that look in our local church, right? We've got the Great Commission, we're supposed to make disciples. Paul says, you ought to be doing it from an imitation standpoint. Get your younger crowd with your older crowd, and let them learn from each other. But then we're still left with the weekly, monthly responsibilities. How do we do that? How do we connect that, okay? Um... We do that in a couple of different ways here. First of all, with corporate opportunities. Corporate opportunities that we've structured here at this church. These are not biblical things that have to be done. These are things that we feel like work for our culture here. Based on what we know about you, your schedules, your responsibilities, we've tried to construct a church calendar, a church uh, opportunity on a monthly basis for you to connect. First of all, with Sunday gatherings. We have focused and intentional gatherings here on Sunday. On our website, it says, when we gather together, our desire is to make the word focal as we worship God through prayer, praise and teaching. Our Sunday services last around two hours to give us sufficient time to devote ourselves to the many important activities that the New Testament describes as necessary for a local body of believers. All right. We know some of you travel to get here, and so we don't have Sunday night services here. All right? We don't have Wednesday night gatherings on a weekly basis. So in order to get what a lot of churches accomplish on Sunday nights and Wednesdays and Sundays, we structure our services to be longer in nature. All right? So if you're going to drive over here, we're going to keep you long enough here to make that drive worth it. And then we're not going to ask you to drive back again to get some some need met. Okay, So we're going to we're try to work with your schedules. And so that's why we incorporate uh, a, a lengthier time of prayer to start our service off. Um, because we want you to pray for each other. We want you to know the needs of each other. Right? A lot of churches have Wednesday night prayer services where they do that. Okay? So we try to incorporate that at the beginning part of our service. We want the word to be focal in everything that we do. All right? So we're trying to pray around the word. We're trying to fellowship around the word. That's why we break up into these small group discussions a lot of times on Sunday mornings. And have you fellowshipping and talking about the word. And then we're going to come together for a significant time and teach from the word to help grow you up in your faith from a formal teaching standpoint. We also have small groups uh, here at our church. We call them C groups. The reason we call them C groups is we allow that C to stand for connection, community, and compassion. We try to accomplish all three with those groups. We want you to connect with people, even though our church is far from large, how some people would describe what a large church is you come in and visit, there's still a lot of people here to try to get to know. Um, And oftentimes, we're not going to have deep, significant relationships with everybody here. And so we try to create a smaller environment with our small groups where you can connect with people um, and grow deeper relationships. That's where our accountability groups come from, right? We've been able to structure it now where most everybody is in accountability with people that are in their C group. And so they're meeting in a small group monthly, and then they're also meeting monthly with people in that group in an even smaller setting for accountability purposes Um, And we demonstrate compassion through those groups where we share prayer requests. And then we try to do service opportunities through those groups as well. In our our website, it says the purpose of our groups is to meet monthly in the homes of church leadership to discuss theology and life together while also praying for the needs of each other. And then we have what we call connecting points here. These are different opportunities that we provide uh, flexible type meetings throughout the month to provide additional gathering opportunities for fellowship and spiritual growth. And so that's why we have man up breakfasts where men that, that have that time available at six in the morning, they don't have to be at work, can come, can eat breakfast together, and talk about things together. Um, we have men's trivia nights at McGuire's where you can come and just eat and hang out with the men in our church. We have women's nights where they go and get coffee, and then they also have times when they go and do the trivia at Meguiar's. Just opportunities throughout the month. We realize for some people, they work on Wednesday nights, and so they can never come to those things. That's why we try to offer a variety of different connecting points for you to pick out what works best for your schedule, how you can connect. And what our desire is, is that at every one of these, there's older and younger people for you to come and to talk to. Very little of it is formal. Most of it is meant for conversations and relationship development. For you to come and to be around people in this church, to learn from them, to grow, to talk and to converse, to hear and to listen. We talked this morning about how we we also have that desire for our children. And, um, you know, obviously, that's something that's continued to, to grow and to flex as we've as we've grown as a church. And, you know, I believe what we were able to share this morning, how we're trying to restructure that based on not having access to the room next door. And we hope to continue to to value our children here and to see them grow up in their faith and to um, to give them opportunities to connect with uh, older people in our church as well. That's why we think it's so important for our um, our kids that get into that 5th and 6th and 7th grade and 8th grade range to be able to be with some of our young adults and have them model what it looks like to follow Jesus. All right, we also have individual opportunities. And you'll remember a while back, we talked about, what is it? What's the purpose of us meeting on an individual basis? So there's some individuals here in our church that meet with other individuals on a a scheduled type thing. Like we meet at such and such time for discipleship. Okay, so they've kind of gone beyond just that corporate idea where I can come and learn from people. I'm not committed to learning from just one person, but I want to learn from all of the people in our church. There is times where more of an individual focus is needed and necessary, and we tried to, to break that down. And so if we're trying to make sure that disciples are made here at our church, we use that acronym to give you reasons and opportunities to meet with other people on a scheduled type basis. One, for marriage development. All right? um, anybody that gets married in our church, we have a, um, an opportunity for people to come for premarital counseling, which gives them insight with all three of our elders right now. So we have a process that we bring people through that want to get married here. Um, we teach them things that we've learned from marriage. We pull different resources in. But there's also opportunities here for you to meet with other um, individuals that, that are modeling what a biblical marriage looks like. We encourage that. We encourage our couples to, to see and to learn from older individuals who have, who have set a, a great example for what a healthy marriage looks like. Accountability is one that most all of us are involved in on some capacity, uh, meeting regularly with our groups. And then what we would formally call discipleship, what we typically think of, someone teaching someone else things about the Bible. Um, what What we've suggested is that ultimately the goal of those meetings needs to be teaching someone how to feed themselves. Because that could be an indefinite thing that never really ended, but the goal needs to be teaching someone how to read and study the Bible on their own if they're incapable of doing that. Um, and so we, we desire for individuals who don't know how to study the Bible to seek out individuals that do and to spend close association with them learning how to study the Bible. And then equipment. Um, opportunities to come and to learn how to do the work of the ministry. Okay? This is one reason we, we started the man up breakfasts. We want to see elders and deacons come out of that group. Um, and so we've structured that intentional time on a weekly basis to, as elders, invest in the men of our church to teach them how to think and to, to operate from a biblical standpoint. Um, and then we're, we're leaning on people that are already there and know how to do that but aren't elders to also invest in the lives of some of our younger men in um, and, and, and hopes of equipping them to serve in these type of capacities in our church. Different opportunities here for individual discipleship uh, that we desire for our people to pursue as well. In addition to these things, I want to remind you that on our website, um, there are opportunities for you to take some resources with people that you're potentially meeting with or people you desire to meet with uh, to teach them. Um, There's a 40-day reading plan that you can take someone through on our website. There's the ESV year reading plan. There's a scripture memory plan that provides 52 Scripture memory verses that you could walk through with somebody as you're teaching them. We also have our accountability guide that we post that um, is a great resource for using in your accountability group, how to um, ask the right questions and how to hold each other accountable to personal struggles. And then that personal growth plan that I referenced earlier, we use every year at the beginning of the calendar year, but can really be accessed at any point. It provides you an intentional tool for how to plan out... Um, your plans and desires to grow, areas to grow in, and how you're going to move forward in that direction. So let's kind of summarize everything we've said today. And this is really small. That's why I shared it with you in that Google Drive. And again, if you don't know Google Drive, this is when you would want Google Drive. Okay. As a church, we are striving to learn how to obediently follow Jesus with our lives while teaching others to do the same. We seek to do this by pairing up older, more mature believers with younger believers so that our faith can be strengthened. Our focus is to pursue fellowship, accountability, knowledge, and application with each other so that we can better understand and enjoy the God we serve. It is our hope that as believers are discipled within our church, they will be equipped to model discipleship in the lives of other individuals so that we are regularly producing more and more Committed followers of Christ. Everything that we've done here is is structured to produce that, um, but it demands your participation in that structure if that's going to happen. All right? We can we can set up all the meeting times in the world. We can we can cast all the vision in the world that we want to, but it still relies on individuals coming alongside of us. Which leaves me with the application question: If our goal Is every member a discipler? Where are you in the journey to reproduce yourself as a mature believer? That's our goal, is that everyone here would be capable of teaching others to follow Jesus effectively. Realizing that there are still some that need to learn that themselves so they can turn around and teach someone else. And so the question is, if our goal is every member a discipler, where are you in the journey to reproduce yourself as a mature believer? My hope is is that being a part of this church, you can answer that question and you have the provision in place to to either grow up into maturity so that you can teach others or for you to be able to look around and say, there is opportunity here. There is opportunity here for me to teach others. And I can assure you that there is. No matter how old you are, there are people here that need your investment, that need your spiritual maturity so they can come along behind you And learn what it means to follow Christ. That's my hope here for our church. Is that we're a church that grows. Individually. And corporately. That we grow individually by following each other. By imitating each other. And then turning around and and investing in others. As we've been invested in. All right, let's pray together. Father I I thank you for again the opportunity. um, Last week and this week. To just step back and pause from working through the book of Genesis as, a, as an opportunity to just remind ourselves why we're here. God, I never want us to fall into the trap of coming on Sundays, showing up every week, working through a book of the Bible verse by verse, and, and it not translating into the type of church life that we've been called to. Father, help us to be reminded and realize that in being taught every Sunday, The goal is to grow ourselves up in the faith, but it's also so that we can turn around and grow others up in the faith as well. God, we desire as leadership, I know, for there to be an environment of discipleship here. We desire for people to be investing in people. God, we want that third spiritual generation to be our focus. Where we're teaching others who can then turn around and teach others. God, we want to fulfill the the commission that you've left with us to make disciples of all nations, and we know that starts right here in our context. So, Father, I pray that you would allow today to be a renewed, um, a renewed confirmation for what we're supposed to be. Pray that you would challenge us to uh, to to commit, as that definition says. It, it, it's a it's a process for a, an individual with a life worth emulating to commit him or herself to make the necessary calendar adjustments, to carve out time in our schedules to pour into other people. God, I hope that that if a new believer came here, there would be so many opportunities made available to that individual to grow up fast in their faith. God, I pray that you would allow us to be that type of church that wants to be a place of imitation, as you've called us to be. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you leave today, just a a couple of things to to remind you of. Um, One, if you're a member here, we encourage you to give as you've committed.